Amen. Welcome to a night to a revival. Just, just by an applause, just by applause, how awesome was yesterday for revival? <laughs> Praise the Lord. It was awesome. Awesome. If you were here, you know that tons of people got prayed for and tons of people got saved. It's wonderful. I believe 15 to 20 people got saved yesterday, and that's wonderful. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Well, we're back, and we want to say thank you for coming, especially if you're visiting with us tonight. I know if, if you have another home church, you were there yesterday, but we appreciate you, and thank you for coming tonight, and it's going to be a wonderful time. We're going to start this out right. We're going to get out in the aisles, shake hands, and hug necks, and welcome you to Revival. Yeah. 
Shame is up. 
whenever I think about worship, I always come back to that passage in Revelation where it says, they gathered in the throne room, all the angels, all the beasts, all the animals, every creature in creation gathered. Said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy forever and ever. Amen. If there is nothing else I do in this life, there's nothing else I achieve or I obtain. If all I do is sit before his feet and cry, holy, 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 is the one who is deserving of power and honor and glory forever. If that is all I do, that's all I need. Because he's so worth it. God, we reverence you tonight. Don't let us miss forget to tell you how righteous, how glorious, how perfect. God, we worship you.
sanctuary tonight Lord we honor your presence we stand tonight in awe of your wonder and your grace and your mercy alive in our lives we give you praise and glory we lift up your name Lord we thank you for your presence that is here in this place we just give you honor and we give you praise oh hallelujah hallelujah would you put your hands together now and let's give him great praise. Amen. You know, there's so many wonderful ways to praise the Lord. The Bible talks about clapping your hands. The Bible refers to lifting up holy hands, to crying out with your voice, and deep meditation of God's presence in his word. There's so many ways to honor him and to love him and to praise him. Because it's his presence, his presence that drives us in every, every way that we can. That's why when the pit crowd was talking and said, man, can't you keep those people quiet? Can't you keep those kids quiet? Can't you keep all those people quiet? Too much noise going on. Jesus looked at him and said, if they be silent, the rocks will cry out. 
all of creation worships and praises God. It was Moses who recognized his presence. He knew his purpose. He said, man, I know what my job is. I know what I'm supposed to do. God's called me to do a great thing. But he looked up right into the face of God and he said, but if you don't go with me, if I don't feel and sense your presence, he said, then don't send me up from this place. I don't want to move into my purpose. I don't want to live my life without the presence of the Lord in my life. It's the presence of God that gives you peace. The presence of God that sends and gives you comfort, gives you strength, lets you know everything's going to be all right. How many of you know that tonight? Everything's going to be all right. Amen. If you have a need tonight, would you make it known just with an uplifted hand all over the congregation? We're going to pray for needs in this house. I, I see Brother Virgil made it with us tonight. He has just been going through it, and he is here tonight in the Lord's house. And I just, I want him to know that your church is praying for you, and I'm, we're seeing it. We're seeing it. God's touching you. You've come a long way. Some of you don't know the details, but I tell you, Brother Virgil Amberge has been through it. He's been in and out of the hospital, and every time he turned around, something else was going wrong. But I'm telling you, God has literally brought him through. How many of you know prayer changes your circumstance? I want some of you men, anywhere you want to, just real quickly, while we're praying, I want you to make your way over to Brother Virgil, and I just want you to lay your hands on him. I want to believe and pray with him tonight, and as we have hands have been lifted up all over the sanctuary, I want us to go before the Lord now in prayer. Ask the Lord to touch every need that's represented. Let's do that right now. Father, as we come before you, we thank you, Lord, that you said in your word, cast all of our care on you. Lord, we do that tonight. We give you every concern, every matter of our heart. We give you every trouble and trial in our lives. We believe and, Lord, know that you are the healer, that you are the deliverer, that, God, you are the provider. You're the one who gives us wisdom and gives us grace. You're the one, God, that guides us along our lives and you give us destiny and purpose. We ask you tonight to touch every need, to touch every family, every situation as we leave it in your hands tonight. I know that you are the God who heals and restores, renews, and I pray for every family tonight. I pray that you will touch in every heart and every burden that they're carrying. The weights can seem so unbearable, but Lord, you are the one who carries every heartache in our lives. You're the one that mends our broken heart. You're the one that sets the captives free. We give you praise and we give you glory tonight, for we trust and know that all power has been given in your name, that if we ask anything according to your will and in that precious name, the name of Jesus Christ, we will see the glory of God come to pass. And we give you praise now, and we thank you for it. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, and everyone together said amen. Why don't you put your hands together again and give him great praise. Clap your hands unto the Lord, all ye people. Amen. Praise God. Isn't revival been good? Amen. You can be seated. Just a couple of things I, I want to share with you as our ushers are coming to serve you this evening, give you the opportunity to worship the Lord with your gifts. We want to recognize, you know, uh, last Sunday I shared with you that there were two spiritual fathers. I am blessed tonight because I have my dad is here, 
That's Ray Phillips Sr., if you don't know him over there. Of course you do. He's, he wasn't in the house five minutes, and somebody came up real politely and said, when are you going to sing again? <laughs> you know him by his voice. But I'm glad my dad is here tonight, and I'm glad that two men that God used in my life when I was very young to be a spiritual father in ministry for me are here. You've known and heard Lane Sargent. Have you enjoyed the revival thus far? Amen. There's another gentleman sitting right beside of him that I honor and this church honors. I wish I could share or I wish I could claim him all to myself, but so many of you claim him as he was once maybe your youth pastor. He was our associate pastor here at the church for many years, and he was one of those giants in my life, and he is here tonight. Ron, you preach, you sing, you pray, you worship, you lead. And you are a giant to us in this church, and we thank you for being here. I want you to stand. I want the people to appreciate this man who's come and been with us tonight. We love you, Ron Medley. And if you have never heard him sing, you better put it on your bucket list before you go to glory. This man can bring the house down when he sings. We're so delighted that he's here with us, and, and thank him for that. And so many of you, the guests that we have that are here tonight, thank you for being with us. I want to also recognize and see the you know, guy that's been with us for a long time, him and his family. But I get to introduce him in a different kind of way to, to just give you some information. Rex and Angela Lloyd, would you stand? I just want you to stand tonight just right where you are. I want you and I to, to thank the Lord and to praise the Lord because as of today, I got the official, the official word from our bishop. You're looking at the new pastors of the Blue Ash Church of God there in Southern Ohio, here in Southern Ohio, and we are thrilled and excited for them. And I've told them that we're going to come alongside of them, and we're going to be a sister church, and we're going to help them by praying for them and ministering any way that they'll have us. We want to go down and be a part. I'm meeting with him even this week, and we're going to brainstorm, and we're just going to lock arms with you. So we're, going to, we're just going to be, how many of you would like to be a big brother or a big sister to a church? We're going to adopt them officially. So they're not leaving us then. That just means we're sending them to the mission of Blue Ash. And we'll uh, definitely be praying for you and uh, asking God to bless and touch you for all that you've waited and, and, and waited and prayed and, and believed God to do. I believe this is a wonderful journey for you that God's going to bless. So we're behind you 100%. Amen? Amen. Amen. Father, as we come before you, we thank you for the privilege to give. It is an honor. It's a blessing to us. Your word declares over and over again that you love a cheerful giver and that, Lord, you give to those who give first. You ask of us that we'll share, Lord, in the gifts that we have and the things that we are blessed with, that we share that with the kingdom and with your work in the world. I pray that you will help us tonight as we bless, Lord, not just our church. We're we're enjoying and we're benefiting from the ministry of Lane and Judy Sargent this week. Lord, this is our opportunity to bless another church through their ministry. For they're already here, but Lord, they'll go from here. And as we help them in their support, we bless them tonight with an offering. Then that means we're able to give beyond ourselves and we're able to bless the next place they go. The other folks where they'll be ministering. 
So, Lord, we thank you for that opportunity tonight. We want to bless them good. So, Lord, I pray that you will give us that heart tonight to do our very best. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.
I don't know about you, but I think they did a wonderful job. Amen. Beautiful song. Beautiful worship. Maybe that's a prophecy for tonight that before we leave here, you'll be broken and spilled out. Remember the woman who anointed his feet? What did she do? She broke the container. We come to church like a water bottle. We take the cap off of it. We worship God and hallelujah and have a good time. But when we leave, we put the top back on. I think we need to reach a point where we just break it. I'm preaching already. See, the quicker I get to preach, the quicker you get out. I honor Ron Medley tonight. Thank you for coming. Wow, isn't he a wonderful man of God? Choice friend. We've had some good times together. All through the life, and he and I worked together for eight years. They said he was the assistant pastor, and I was the pastor, but sometimes I wasn't sure. Because he had the ability to do anything. And people loved him, and you people still love him. And I keep telling him I don't know why he don't come back home. I don't understand that. <laughs> but we're glad that it's good to see all of you and renew acquaintances. And thank God for what happened yesterday. But according to my calendar, yesterday's over. We can't do anything about it. We can rejoice in it. I found out if I become like a crawfish, you know what he does? A crawfish backs into his future looking at his past. Now, that was good. You were just looking at me. I know it's Monday night. I don't want to back into my future looking at my past. It's over. I've told my family, and I'm serious. I've got one of those uh, condominiums when I die. Pull the drawer out and put me in. I told my daughter, I said, all you can do is just pull the drawer open, look at me, close it. I said, but don't you come around my grave and do all that eating and celebrating and not even remember I'm there. Hello. You know why? I'm gone. I will not be back except to pick up that body, and I'm going to meet that body in midair. When I meet this body in midair, everything's going to be all right. Whatever takes me out won't keep me out. Hello? Boy, y'all are a good crowd tonight. I could preach about two and a half hours, so we better get started. Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 17, and it's a very familiar scripture, but sometimes I think we get so familiar with things that we don't see what it's saying. So hopefully tonight I'll share something with you that will cause you to want to read the Word more, to cause you to absorb something that you can take and use tomorrow. Because if you don't deposit the Word in your heart and let the seed of the Word begin to flourish and grow, what are you going to use to fight the enemy? So you don't have to call somebody to pray for you. You're a child of God. You don't have to have anybody's assistance. You've got the Word inside of you, which is the seed, and the living Jesus is inside of you. And i I've, I got news for you. He can take care of anything. I'm going to read this familiar passage to you. And I found out as I began to read it and reread it, as the older I am getting, I'm not old, but I'm getting there, okay? I found out that I'm going to be very picky about my battles. I'm not going to fight you over what color carpet's in a church. 
Oh, I'm killing it already, ain't I? I am not going to fight you over anything that has to do with any decoration of anything to do with any building. I built a cathedral in Summerton, Alabama. And I told somebody the other day, said, what would you do if you did it again? I said, I'd build me a, a metal building, paint it black inside, and put lights in it. Why? Because the first Sunday I took them in there, they all became a gawker. And I told them, I said, if you gawk next Sunday, we're going back to the old building. Hello? It's not about our beauty. It's not about anything we do. It's not about our accomplishments. Not how about, about how long we've been serving God. It's not how long we have any kind of titles in front or behind our name. It's about Jesus and it's about kingdom. It's not about church work. It's about kingdom work. Hello, I need some help. It's about kingdom work. See, the more we realize it's about kingdom, it's about kingdom. He said the kingdom of God is within you. So if the kingdom of God is within me, i got to get it out. The only way I can get it out is to open up. All right, let me read my text. I can't count that as preaching, okay? 1 Samuel chapter 17. Let's take the familiar passage of verse 49. David put his hand in the bag, took out the stone, slung it, and stuck in the Philistine's head so that the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell to the, on his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine and with a sling and a stone. And he struck the Philistine and killed him. And there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and, and stood over the Philistine, took his sword, drew it out of the sheath, killed him, and cut off his head. Say, cut off his head. And with it, and then when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. See, if you'll take care of the head, the other group will run. Hello, I'm, I'm not really going to do a lot for you tonight to shout about. I'm going to do a lot for you to live about. See, if you learn to cut the head off, then it'll take care of everything else. Woo, I, I know where I'm headed, and I'm already shouting inside. Now the men of Israel stood and arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines as far as they could to the entrance of the valley of the gates of Ekron. And the, wound, and the wounded of the Philistines fell among the road of Sharem and even as far as Gath and Ekron. Then the children of Israel returned from chasing the Philistines and they plundered their tents. Say plundered. Do you realize that my generation has a responsibility to pass on to the next generation everything we plundered? I tell you what, hello. You, you, when you fight your battle, you better have something you plundered. You better have something to show for it. And we see that what they did is they, they plundered it. They took it to their tents, verse 54, and David took the head of the Philistine, brought it to Jerusalem, but put his armor in his tent. Wow. I want to talk a little bit about Using your attack to your advantage. Do I have anybody here tonight who's ever been attacked? The rest of you need to get right. We've all been attacked. You must, and I, must, I should have shared this last night. The reason there's resistance in your life, the only way you can build your faith is through resistance. 
If you're going to have good muscles, you better have some resistance. If you're going to build anything in your life, there's going to be resistance. And I want to help you tonight to turn the attack that's coming against you to your advantage. Whew. You got a little while for me to preach? Okay. Now, what I want you to understand is when you begin to see the life of David, you go all the way back to 1 Samuel 15. And in 1 Samuel 15, in verse 30, we, have, we find a text there where Samuel had approached Saul, and Saul had confessed his sin. He told him, I have sinned. You go back and read the verse for yourself. When he said, I have sinned, he turned to Samuel and said, I want you to go and stand beside me in the front of the people. You know why? He was political. You can't build a political church and a spiritual church. Woo. I don't know if I'm stirring the nest or got you mad or what. Listen to me. Anytime a church becomes political, she is not spiritual. Anytime people jockey for positions, it's not spiritual. Anytime anybody's put in a place because of popularity, it's not spiritual. The reason they had King Saul is because that's who they wanted. And I tell people as I travel, as I've been traveling the last six, seven years, they say, well, we're looking for a pastor. I, just, I did an interim work for six months in a church. And they say, well, what do you want? I said, you want a pastor? Yeah. I said, I'm going to tell you how to get him. Get on your knees. Quit calling people. Quit looking at all these things. Quit trying to decide who you want through a political place. Why don't you pray? Anytime. We mentioned this couple. They go into Blue Ash. They needed prayer to get there. They're going to need prayer after they get there. Because you've got to understand that God has a plan for our life, and it's not coming through a political structure. I'll just digress for a minute. 34 years ago, a state overseer came to me, and he looked at me across a table, and he said, I really don't know who you are, but your name has come up before me, and I want you to consider and pray about going to Princeton Pike. Well, uh, honest with him, I told him later, I said I was in that round hotel up in uh, Gatlinburg, and I said, I'll be honest with you, I didn't pray, I told Judy to pack while I'm praying. Because I was a young guy about 36 years old, and I thought, he wants me to go to Princeton Pike, even though they've lost their mind, I better take it while I can. And he called me back, and he said, well, I wanted you to go, but it didn't work out, that's when Ronnie Brock went there, following Steve. And he, I said, that's fine. I prayed about it. God's in control. He said, but I have another church. And it's a little church over in Middletown, Ohio. And he said, would you consider going there to be the pastor? I said, yes. I've already prayed about the other, and that didn't work, so I feel like the Lord is uprooting me. I'll be glad to go. Never been to your place in my life. I've never been in Middletown. I saw the sign. Driving up Highway 4, said Middletown, Ohio. Your pastor was Robert Graham, one of the greatest preachers I've ever heard. I scared to death. I was so scared. I told you, I think I told you yesterday, when I drove the truck up, I got out and let them think I was the driver because I was such a kid. I told them the pastor's coming. I'm just driving the truck. But you see, God ordered my steps. Can, can I tell you something? We're becoming too political. 
Oh, I got to stay here a while. See, I ended up at this church because the 12 men that were sitting around the table told me that when they went around the table and they began to decide on my name, we didn't know who you were, but we felt that's what God wanted. Guess what? It was what God wanted. You see, when we began to seek God, we tear down the political structure that makes people jockey. I know she wants my coat button, but I'm uncomfortable. Y'all excuse me, okay? Now look, he said, I have sinned, but will you go stand beside me so I'll look good? Boy, we are the world's best at covering up what we've done. Whew. We can come to church and look as pious as the Pope. We can come and wear one of those phylacteries on our head. Man, they think, look at that. But nobody knows. It's not what people in this church think about you. It's what God knows about you. Oh, Samuel, will you go stand with me so everything will be all right? Hello? I got to move on. I didn't know where I was really going to preach. But you move from there. And God speaks to Samuel. And he says to Samuel in chapter 16, the first verse, you know what he said to Samuel? Samuel, why are you mourning over whom I have rejected as king? I'm almost pulling my coat off already. Folks, he didn't say I've rejected Saul. He said I've rejected his leadership. He can't serve as king anymore. Stop the tape, okay? Please. We've got, oh. You know I love the church of God. You love the church of God? But folks, we've got to get back to spiritual things. I, I was talking to a man the other day who's on the Council of 18, and he and I were discussing this. We've got to get back to getting on our knees and reading Scripture and discussing. You see, I told Larry Timmerman the other day, he and I were having lunch. I said, Larry, do you know how many years we went to the assembly and we decided who's going to be general overseer? And by the time he's elected, we were talking about who was going to be there in two years. Hello? Nothing, nothing wrong with that. But folks, we've got to refocus. We can't, we can't put our stock in something that God has rejected. He said, how long are you going to mourn? How long are you going to whine? How long are you going to cry over something I've rejected? See, if you keep mourning over what God says is over, then you'll never move to where God wants you to go. Woo! See, when you understand that God is building your life for tomorrow. Everybody still love me? You Do you? I need it. Because, folks, we've got to come to a rude awakening. That what we accomplished in the past, we can't go back to. I preached three weeks ago at the church I pastored for 20 years, and I told them almost this identical statement. We had a great time. My goodness, when I go to Harlem Park, wow, what a time we had. But you can't go back. Hello, you can't go back. Why? God is moving you forward. Everything that has happened in the life of this church has been moving her toward her destiny. And what, in next year, you celebrate 100 years old, folks. 100 Do you realize how many churches die before they ever get 50? 
You are a phenomenon. But the reason God wants you to celebrate what God has done is so you can stand up, square your shoulders, set your face, and say, we're going forward. Give me just a little bit more. He said, how long are you going to mourn over him? Then when he finished that statement, he said, Samuel, get a horn of oil. I'm going to anoint a new king. What? I'm going to anoint a new king. I want you to get ready to go to uh, Jesse's house. You know what Samuel said? Samuel said, well, I know you want me to go to Jesse's house, but if I go, Saul will kill me. He said, well, take a heifer with you and offer a sacrifice and tell them to come along. Yeah, you older folks are grinning. That's why I moved on. Listen, he said, offer a sacrifice. Invite Benjamin's, uh, uh, Benjamin, Jesse, okay. Invite the whole clan. But listen, he didn't invite the whole clan. He invited seven sons. And out of those sons, Samuel looked at him and said, you're not the one. You're not the one. Now, now, I want you to get this in perspective. We've all heard this, but can you imagine being the older brother and the older brother in a Jewish household got double what everybody else got? And all of a sudden, Samuel says, he's not the one. He's not the one. And he goes all the way down the line. You see, here, here's something you need to remember. God knows where you are. Just because you feel invisible does not mean you're not valuable. That's worth the price of admission. See, sometimes we all feel nobody's around. David is doing his job watching sheep. I'm going to stop here and tell you, if you want God to use you in the kingdom work and God's appointed time for you right now is to watch sheep do it, because I've run into too many people that say, well, I ain't got time to watch sheep. Well, if you ain't got time to watch sheep, watch sheep, you're not going to move on up to whatever else God has for you. He knew he entrusted him with a job, and he was doing it while everybody else was standing in line to be king. Got any more kids? Well, I got one more. He's out watching sheep, and you know the story. And he brings him in, and he makes this statement. God looks at your heart. Man is looking out here, but God's looking at the heart. You know, and, and when he says that, you know what Samuel says to that group when he couldn't find anybody to anoint king? He said, you got anybody else? He said, yeah, he's out watching sheep. When he said that, if you go back and read it in that text, he said, we will not sit down until he gets here. When God is ready to anoint your life, everybody's going to know it. You don't have to announce it. It kind of bothers me to see these people that get business cards to tell me they're an apostle. If you're an apostle, you ain't got to announce it. If you are something for God, you don't have to make an announcement. When God anoints you, people will stand up in recognition of who you are. And they, all, and they said, we're not going to sit down until he gets here when he arrives. Now, 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 this is my illustrated sermon, so let me do it. The two, all the other sons are standing there. Thinking, it can't be him. I'm so glad God chooses people that are unlikely. If he hadn't, I wouldn't be here. I was so backward, I'd run from people. 
and he picked me. Why? Because he's God. I didn't pick him. I didn't run up. When, when he called me into the ministry, I looked back and said, Lord, you got the wrong person. You sure you don't? He got the wrong number. But you see, when God picks somebody, don't you ever doubt it. Because if he picks you, he will anoint you. And if he anoints you, you will become what the kingdom needs. Hello? Is everybody, everybody still okay? I'll get there if you give me time, okay? And, and he anoints him. He takes out the horn of oil and he pours it upon his head. And when he pours it upon his head, everybody's looking, all the brothers, his father, and he's got the oil and it's pouring all over him. And everybody's standing there saying to each other, he's going to be the king. He's going to be the king. He's going to, he's just been anointed. What does he do next? He goes back to watching sheep. I don't know about you. If it had been me, I'd have been out here watching these sheep and smelling sheep. And said, I thought I was anointed king. I don't know what's going on. I don't know. See, don't try to understand the ways of God. See, let me show you what happens. Once, once God gives you an anointing, he knows you have an ability. But God's not going to develop your ability. He's going to let you do that. I'm going to give you a scripture for it. Are you ready? When you read on in chapter 16, he's watching sheep. What's he doing while he's watching sheep? Oh, he's just twiddling his thumbs? No. What's he doing? He's practicing with his sling. Woo! He's practicing. What's he doing? Ah, he, he was able with his bare hands to kill a bear and a lion. Are you still there? Now look at it. But no, there's something else that's going on. While he's not trying to take care of sheep, and while he's not practicing his sling, he's practicing his harp. I don't know about you guys in the ministry. You may not have been like me, but when I was first called to preach and ended up at Lee, I used to preach to the mirror. Man, I preached some good sermons. You should have heard them. They were wonderful. I'd even say amen. But what was I doing? Practicing. I'd go to lay my head on my pillow at night and I would practice preaching because that's what God had called me to do. Guess what? I might as well have been watching sheep. You know, the only way I could put a report was I got so tired of filling out reports was zero, zero, zero. zero. How many did you preach? Zero. How many got saved? Zero. What's going on? Zero. But there did come a day. Hello? He's watching sheep. He's practicing his harp. But watch how God works. While he's practicing his harp, the, the still king is Saul, and Saul can't sleep. And Saul gets disturbed in the middle of the night. Ooh, you got to see this. I got to get you this verse. Will you give me just a minute to get back up here? I want to show you. I want you to turn in your Bible. I want you to see this. This, this shocked me when I read it. Look at verse uh, 18 of chapter 16. Now look at this. Saul can't sleep. They need somebody to help him. And look what he says. Look, I have seen the son of Jesse the Bethlehemite who is skillful in playing, a mighty man of valor, a man of war, a prudent in speech, and handsome person, and the Lord whoo, is with him. Now wait a minute. He's out in the desert. 
All he hears every day is bye, bye, bye. All he smells is sheep. Somebody heard him. They don't even tell his name. He's not even important enough to call his name. He's the son of Jesse. Things change in life, don't they? When I came here to be your pastor, I had a son, and his, I had a son named Jeff. His name is Jeff Sargent. When I go to Lee, it's no longer Jeff Sargent's son. Who am I? I'm Jeff Sargent's dad. They don't know my name. They know his name. That's the way it's supposed to be, folks. Hello? But what? He's out there watching sheep. He's practicing his heart. Evidently, he'd been on a gig somewhere. Somebody had to hear him. I've heard this man. Now, look what he says about it. He's a good musician. He's a man of valor. He's a man of war. He has all these traits. But let me tell you one other thing. The Lord is with him. See, that's what pulls it all together, folks. When you feel like you are so invisible, keep doing what God's telling you to do, and somebody somewhere will know who you are and where you are, and you'll be called. See, when they called him to play, he didn't look at him and say, you know what? Give me time to practice. I mean, I remember the days in the church when people used to get up and sing and say, I ain't had time to practice. And I felt like saying, sit down. Hello. You say, that sounds mean. No, it's God's work. Woohoo! Hello. And he's off by himself. And they call him. And he plays his harp. And Saul is soothed. And he sleeps. Why? Because a man of God showed up. Not just because he could play, but he was anointed. He was not just anointed with oil from Samuel to be king. He was anointed by the Spirit of God. You see, that's what makes the difference. Whew. It's not how good you can sing. It's how anointed you are when you sing. It's when you do what God's called you to do, and the anointing makes the difference. That's it. And he plays. Saul goes to sleep. Look at this. He's good at it. Man, this guy does a wonderful job. Hey, man, they still don't know his name. And they talk about him. Where does he go? Back to the sheep. <laughs> I've been there. Anybody ever been there? Ever been there? And I, I felt like, man, it's my time. And then all of a sudden, somebody else slides in there, and it just wasn't my time. When it's your time, God will do it. When it's God's timing, it works. How many believe he's an on-time God? Amen? Well, guess what I figured out the other day? A thousand years is as a day, right? A, year, a, a, a day is as a thousand years. I figured it out. When the Lord asked me if I got a minute, he's asking me if I got 79 years. So if the Lord says you got a minute, you better wait a while. Hello? Don't get over anxious if you go and you are praised by people and the king goes to sleep then you have to go back to sheep don't go back grumbling wow Whew. now look at this he's watching sheep his brothers go to fight and as his brothers go to fight his daddy calls him into the house 
Oh, maybe this is my time. Man, I'm anointed. I've been playing for the king. Oh, this is my time. What you want, Daddy? I want you to carry some cheese and bread to your brothers. What? He didn't complain. See, there are no menial tasks with God. Come on, everybody still with me? Kind of wave at me. I know I'm doing it a little different tonight, but I got to get something in somebody's spirit. We've got to understand things. We got to understand the kingdom. And when you understand the kingdom, you understand if you're back watching sheep, God still knows where you are. Maybe it's not your time yet. Then all of a sudden, you may get called. The pastor may call you and say, oh, this is it. Pastor's calling me. What you want me to do? Why don't you take some cheese over there? Hello? Hello? I don't know if I can do that. If you can't do that, you can't do anything else. Ooh, I'm preaching so good, and I know it hurts so bad. We've got to understand kingdom ministry is about serving others. I said kingdom ministry is about serving others. Kingdom ministry is about serving others. What do you want me to do, Daddy? Take this over to the brothers. When he shows up, you know the story. I've got to hurry through it. There's so many things. I've been studying this for about two months, and I've got to pick and choose now because we'll be here a while. But when he goes, he hears, you know, the giant making the challenge. Now, King Saul is in his tent trembling. What's going on? David says, what I, who is that guy? Oh, he just comes out every day, challenges everybody, makes fun of everybody. Anybody ever been made fun of for the gospel? You in good company. Hello. People who don't understand will look down on you. And he began to challenge them. Who's going to come out here and fight me? And David's taking cheese, and he says, hey, I'll go. But I'm going to show you something. I got some points I wrote down today, so, and, and I'm preaching a little slower, but I got to get these in you. You've got to understand where this at. When you understand, when you are anointed, God is anointing you to accomplish your assignment. You, you need to put that down. He's anointing you to accomplish your assignment, not for anything else. His anointing is for a purpose in your life. You've got to understand that when it comes your time, boy, somebody, you got to hear this. You don't need a better assignment to have a greater anointing. Wow. I wish everybody was here. So sometimes we don't understand that. If you can't deal with the anointing and the assignment where you are, he's not going to give you another assignment. Hello. I've just, I, folks, I have been just as anointed driving on the highway, stopping to eat somewhere, and tell them about Jesus. I'm anointed when I preach, but I'm also anointed when I share the gospel because that's my assignment. Everybody in this building, you have one assignment, and that's to spread the good news of Jesus Christ, and that's why you're anointed, so you can tell somebody else, and it can get it out there. See, you don't have to have a better assignment. And when you get in this situation, you better be ready. He said, I'll go. When he says, I'll go, 
his brother looks at him and said, you're going to go? I know the naughtiness of your heart. Now look at this. This is the brother, Eliab, who was skipped over. Whew. Stay with me. He thought he got left out. And now this young buck's going to come in here. And I watched what happened to him. I'm not letting him come in here. You see, when you get ready to fulfill your assignment, the enemy will show up, and the first thing he will do is accuse you. That he's the accuser of the brethren. The word accuse comes from a Greek word, kategora, where we get the word categorize and what the enemy wants to do, and he uses people to do it. He put people in categories. We categorize. When we categorize, we accuse. You can't do this. He accuses. He belittled him. You can't do this. You have no will, no ability. You're just a little boy. See, it keeps going. He said, what happens if I take care of this giant? He said, well, if you take care of this giant, you're going to get to marry the king's daughter. I hope she was good looking. And you're going to get free taxes. Wow, I like that. Don't you? That is my giant. My giant's not that giant. My giant's taxes sometimes. You still with me? You can marry the king's daughter and you get free taxes. But can you imagine that free taxes for a little shepherd boy is not good? You don't make a whole lot. So you ain't got to pay much taxes. So that's not what motivated him. It wasn't the girl. It wasn't the free taxes. It was the fact that God had anointed him for this assignment and he'd been preparing for it. When he gets into that, he, he walks out there and calls him an uncircumcised Philistine. Please don't use that phrase tomorrow. People won't understand. What was he saying? You are not in covenant with God. I am. I am in covenant. I am anointed. You may be a giant, but I am in covenant with God, and you're on the outside. I've got something on the inside. You uncircumcised Philistine, I'm going to take care of you. Now watch what takes place. The estimate is, some say he was nine feet tall. He had armor that weighed two to three hundred pounds. He was covered from head to toe. He had a spear in his hand, a sword in his sheath. And he was going to fight a little boy. Now let me, is it possible that David wasn't the underdog because he had God on his side? See, he goes out to fight him. Here's a giant. And if you grow to be this size, you have giantism. And what happens is you grow enormous. But when this happens to you, now listen, when this happens to you, you lose your eyesight. You can't see good. You, can't, you, know, you don't have mobility. So that if you watch, when you read that scripture, he had somebody in front of him. And David says, I challenge you. Now watch what takes place. David gets five smooth stones. We know the story. David puts it in his sling. 
and he walks toward that giant and he challenges him and all along the giant's trying to get close to him you know why because if the giant can get close to him he can take his sword and decapitate him but david said i'm not going to hey would you do something for me quit getting too close to the devil keep your distance let him be over there and when it was happening he come walking toward him you know the story he took that sling i am there, there are three people who fight in battles in Israel. There, there is the people who ride on horses. And then there is the uh, foot soldiers we have, just like we have today. And then there are what they call the slingers. The slingers and the archers. David was a slinger. I am told in history, they've studied it, that a good slinger can do his sling at six to seven revolutions a second. That he is accurate to 200 yards. See, the giant thought this is just some little boy, but he didn't know he'd been practicing up. He didn't know he was ready. See, do I have any slingers in here tonight? Oh, do you understand what he did? He walked to that giant. He wouldn't let him get close to him because if he did, he'd take, him, he'd take him out. No, he kept his distance. And when he kept his distance, he went, And what happened? He fell on his face. We all know that story because we all learn it in Sunday school. But sometimes we don't finish the story. The scripture says he climbed up on him took his own sword out of the sheath and he chopped his head off. Say, chopped his head off. Put his fingers through his hair and picked that head up. Running with blood dripping all over. Boy, I'm getting gory tonight. Running with blood dripping all over. The scripture says he ran to Jerusalem with that head in his hand. Now listen to me. See, what we do sometimes is we may get the giant on the floor, but we don't cut the head off. See, we get saved, and that's wonderful, but we fail to cut the head off because he knew, I got to take care of this man while he's down. See, you'll come to the altar, you'll pray, you'll get the victory in the altar, but you don't cut the head off. See, I Oh, I'm preaching sanctification. You don't hear that a whole lot, do you? It's time that we take care of those things and cut the head off. He puts his fingers in his hair. He runs to Jerusalem. At that time, Jerusalem was called Jabez. J-E-B, I forgot how to spell it. But you know what it meant? The Philistines were living there, and the name of the city meant headhunters. So here is a man taking a decapitated head all the way to a city to the headhunters. You know what Jesus said in Colossians? He said, I took care of the enemy, and I'm parading him around, and I've won the victory. I want to tell you, I've got a parade going tonight to tell you that the enemy has not only been defeated, he's been destroyed. destroyed Satan is not down for the count he's out Satan is not pushed in a corner he's out he knows his days are numbered 
And David shows them. But you notice the scripture. And the scripture says that he took Goliath's sword and put it in his tent. Say, put it in his tent. That's a little weak. Put it in his tent. I'm trying to make a point. Now watch. I read you. If you get over into 1 Samuel 21, surprised her. First Samuel 21. David, it says the king in haste was chasing the enemy. But in his haste, David didn't take a sword with him. So he goes to the priest. And while he's there, he says to the priest, well, one of the things that happens is the priest gives him bread from the priest. You're not supposed to do that. The priest broke the rules so the king could eat. You know what that's called? Grace. Grace doesn't give you the right to do what you want to. Grace gives you the right to live righteous. Amen. He gave him bread, and he looked at that priest, and he's asking the priest, do you have Something I can fight with. Do you have a spear? Do you have a sword? And the priest says to him, I've got a sword, but it's the sword you took. Whew, say, you took. <laughs> it's the sword you took from that dead Philistine. Where was it? He said, where is it? It is hidden behind a is wrapped in a cloth hidden behind the ephod. Listen to me. An ephod is used when you go to a priest and they do the Urim and the Thummim and they want to know the will of God. The sword of Goliath was wrapped in the will of God. Whatever it is that has been attacking you, it's time for you to defeat it and put it where it needs to be. So when God gets ready for you, the will of God will be revealed. <laughs> Woo! That's about as good a preaching as I can do, folks. I'm putting some information in you. I want you to understand whatever it is that's been attacking you, cut the head off. Take that weapon and wrap it in the will of God. Because there's going to come a day when you're going to need to use it. You know what the enemy wants to do? The enemy wants you to use it, all right. He wants to use it against you. So you remember that day you did what you shouldn't do? You remember those times that you said what you shouldn't say? You, you rem you, and he attacks you, and he attacks you. Oh, my Lord, let, I want tonight's service to be a sword-taking service. Last night we got him to shut up. Now I want to disarm him. I want to disarm him. But I want to put it and wrap it in the ephod. When you wrap it in that ephod, then you understand God is holding it for a purpose when the will of God will be accomplished in your life. I don't know of anything else I can share with you this week. I'm helping somebody, Pastor. Somebody's getting this. 
because it's time to take the attack and turn it to your advantage. It's time for you to realize God knows where you are. He knows what you're going through. He knows how you're suffering. He knows how you're being attacked. He knows what's coming at you. But it's time tonight to cut the head off and get that sword wrapped up in the will of God and walk toward the enemy and do your battle. Anytime you are in battle, he is using it for your good. Oh, we quote that scripture, all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. And then when it happens to us and it's not good, we don't think it's good. But it is. Because God has taken everything in my life and worked it for his good. It wasn't good. I suffered I went through some dark times. I was sharing with them at lunch today. About four times in my life, I've had a near-death experience. I almost drowned. Well, I guess I did. The Lord brought me back. I died as an infant. My mother said, you quit breathing. And I prayed, and the Lord gave you breath again. She said, but when I prayed, I said, Lord, if you'll get him back, I'll give him to you. And I said, Mom, this is your fault. I had a time when I was at Summerton. When I walk down and sit on the front row, Jeff comes over to me and says, Daddy, what's wrong with you? I said, huh, son, I'm hurting in my chest. He said, well, Dad, let me take you back to the office. He took me back to his office. And when he took me back to the office, they called the uh, rescue. See, I live in Summerton, Alabama. It took 45 minutes to get the rescue squad there. I don't know why when I left the church, I didn't buy me a house next to the emergency room, but I didn't. And they finally got me, and they came in, and they put the oxygen in my nose, and they, they checked my pulse and said, we got to get, get him in the ambulance. Well, they did the uh, cardiogram. And when they did the cardiogram, they took me and put me. I can still see it. Ain't no telling how many times I've been there as a pastor and watched somebody get put in the ambulance, and that was me. And when I got put in that ambulance, the devil said, this is it. You'll never be back here. Anybody ever been there? He's a liar. Woo, he's a liar. Wow. They put me in that thing, and I watched the two uh, paramedics, whatever they're called. They were looking, unscrolled that uh, graft, and it was almost as the EKG, and they were saying, I mean, can I give you some advice? If one of your family members or somebody's sick, and you're reading it, don't stand there and shake your head. Okay? If you're going to talk about it, go, go out in the room, okay? Uh, they were looking at each other like, this is it. And they shoved me in that, and that guy said, why don't you lay down? I said, I don't want to. I want to sit up. Well, at that time, we'd sold the house we were living in. We were living in a rented house on the main highway down below the church. And while we were, they had me sitting up. And they, had, they was rushing me to the hospital. It wasn't going fast enough for me. I want to go, and I got to go. And when I went by the house that I was living in at the time, the devil said, you'll never be back there again. Anybody ever been there? Wow. It was an attack. It was an attack, and halfway there, it's about a 30-minute drive to the hospital. And by the time they got about halfway, they did another EKG on me and checked it, and all of a sudden, they t I heard him say to Judy, this thing's normal. Hello? This thing's what? Normal. No, it wasn't. It was supernatural. Anything that is supernatural to God is normal to God. Hello? 
they took me on to the hospital and they did all those checkups and had to go in and run that thing up through there and check me out. But here's what I want you to know. How did that get to normal within about 15 to 20 minutes of when I left the church? Because all of a sudden, the word began to pass around Summerton. Everybody had already gone to lunch, and they were out in restaurants and eating. And I was told that when we heard your name, we got up from our table, and we got on our knees in that restaurant. You know why I'm here today? Because the attack of the enemy, the, the people of my church drew the sword and said, no, no, no. I got a news for you. I shall live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. And here I am. 50 plus and feeling good. I ain't going to tell you how many plus, okay? But he defeated him with his own sword. Satan, I'm defeating you with the sword you tried to do with my heart. Satan, I'm defeating you with the sword that you tried to take me out as an infant child. Satan, I'm defeating you with the sword when I was swept out in a rip current and they gave up on me. Hello, I want you to know that I am here today, but I'm taking what the enemy has attacked me with and I'm standing toe-to-toe -to -toe with him and saying, let me tell you, you have no more. I am coming at you. I am using your attack for my advantage. I don't know why I'm telling any of this, but the Holy Spirit's bringing it to my mind. This is a young boy who was in college. His mom and dad had sent him to college. And when they had sent him to college, it, they, they didn't give him money to eat on. So he went a few days, and he got hungry. And he said, so he went to one of the administrators, and he said, I don't understand. I don't have money to eat on, and I'm about to starve. And the administrator said, let me see your ID card. He looked at it, and he flipped it over. He said, son, on the back of your ID card is your code for your food. What am I saying to you tonight? It's time to turn your ID card over. The enemy tells you you're not going to make it. Turn the card over. Woo! Turn that card around. Look at the other side. The barcode from heaven says he will supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He is God. He's on the throne. He's going to take care of you. Come on, give him praise in the house. Oh! Stand with me, please. <laughs> Satan, in the name of Jesus, I speak to you and your tactics tonight. You have depressed people. You have oppressed people. You have badgered people. I am taking that weapon away right now in Jesus' name. And I'm going to take what you've been badgering them with, and we're going to use it on you. You might as well give up. You might as well go back. You might as well, Satan, give up because the victory has been won through the blood of Jesus Christ. And I speak to you right now and let you know it's over. Somebody give him praise in the house. 
you've got to understand something. Anytime you are walking toward your destiny, the constant companion of destiny is doubt. It'll always show up. Who do you think you are? What do you think you're going to do? That's just one of the weapons of the devil, and I'm turning it around. I am attacking him right now and saying, devil, I have no doubt. You've already been taken care of. You're under my feet. You're under my feet. You're under my feet. I'm going back to the enemy's camp, and I'm taking back what he stole from me. I said, I'm taking back what he stole from me. I said, I'm taking back what he stole from me. I'm going down to the enemy's I'm going to get me some plunder tonight to give to my kids. Take it back. See, nine years ago, he thought he killed me. You know what? I got away. Oh, he put his slimy hands on me. He spoke all that to my mind. I got away. And the very thing he tried to use against me is beating in my chest right now. You shall not die, but live. It's a good thing I can't sing. I'd take off on that. Going back to the enemy's camp. Listen, don't go back to the enemy's camp without taking his sword you took away from him. Don't you run in there by yourself. Ooh, the blood of Jesus. Woo. I'm not going to close. I'm just going to give an altar call. This thing's getting too big. I've been studying it too long. There's too much I want to tell you. There may be a page two tomorrow night. I don't know. But what I do know, he sent me for a message for somebody in this house. And if you know that it's you, don't you hesitate. The scripture says David ran out there. He did the sling. And he had prepared. We've prepared with the word of God. And the word of God says you're a winner. You're an overcomer. It's over. Say it. It's over. Oh, louder. It's over. Say it again. It's over. If you really believe it's over and this is your night for your victory to come and you know that you're taking the attack and you're turning it around as he begins to play, walk up here in Jesus' name right now. It's up to you. Sing it with him. What he stole from me. Took back what he stole from me. Took back what he stole from me. Well, I went to the enemy's camp and I took back what he stole from me oh, he's, under under my my feet. Feet. he's under my feet yes he's under, under my feet he is under my oh, feet he's under yes. my feet he's under my feet satan is under my feet sing it well you I know who you are come on camp, and i took back what, what he stole from me yeah. oh. Took, took back, back what he stole from me. Now I took, took 
back what you stole from me Well, I went to the enemy's camp And I took back what you stole from me Where is he? under my, yeah, he's under my feet 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 Satan is under my feet All right, prayer partners Counselors, pastors, gather here with us. Don't let anybody pray alone. Get with them. My God. My God. Yes. And What'd you do? Took, took back. back take it back. 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 Took back what he stole from me. Well, I went to the enemy's camp. And I took back what he stole from me. He's under my feet. He's under my feet. Sing that. Under my feet. Yeah. He's under your feet. He's under my feet. Yes. He's under my feet. Satan's under my feet. Well, I went to the enemy's camp, and I took back what he stole from me. Yeah, took back what he stole from me. Took back what he stole from me. Well, I went to the enemy's camp, and I took back what he stole from me. He's under my feet. Yeah, he's Can you believe what the Lord has done in me? Can you believe what the Lord has done in me? Can you believe what the Lord has done in me? Can you believe what the Lord has done in me? Can you believe what the Lord has done in me? Can you believe what the Lord has done in me? Can you believe what the Lord
trusted Savior and he has never failed the Lord is my strength my high tower
in your life is for a purpose. Hello. The problem is we turn speed bumps into mountains. You drive into a department store and they got speed bumps. Do you stop and say, I can't get over it? No, you learn to slow down. But when you get over it and you get to the door, the door opens without you touching it. He knows how to open the door. Quit looking at the speed bump and look at him and turn that around and find out that you've gone back to the enemy's camp and you took it back. Say, take it back. I'm looking for your pastor to close, but I guess I will. So that's all right. Is that all right, pastor? That's right, I see you. I'm going to go ahead and Okay. Lift your right hand. Mm. Lord, I pray a priestly blessing over them. I bless the walking of their feet and the work of their hands. I bless the hearing of their ears and the speaking of their mouth. I bless their lying down and their rising up. I bless their walk in the community. I, Lord, let your favor flow through them everywhere they go that somebody will know that they belong to you. Let favor and blessing go with them everywhere they go. And if you receive it, say amen. I guess that's dismissal.